For 18 years, the bent over woman had not been able to stand up straight. Her condition had gotten worse and worse, and for years now her face had been turned to the ground, her eyes cast down, the condition of her back. It was hard for people to see her face when they met her. All you would see is the top of her head as she shuffled slowly forward with her walking stick. Walking itself had become difficult and painful, and she didn't do as much of it as she would have liked. But she was determined to go and worship God on the Sabbath day, and so each week she went, setting out early from her home to give herself plenty of time to walk all the way there, stop and rest along the way. Staying home would have been easier, but that was not in her nature. She was a determined woman, and when the Sabbath day came each week, she was there, a daughter of Abraham, bent over double and aching in every joint and muscle, but nonetheless praising God and giving thanks for his goodness and mercy. This Sabbath day, she arrived like she always did, a little late this time, tired out from the long walk, and there was a new rabbi that was already in the middle of his sermon. He noticed her come in, and he stopped. He stopped what he was saying in the middle of a sentence and called her to come up front to where he was preaching. She came up, slowly, all eyes on her, as she shuffled painfully up to where Jesus was. When she was finally there, Jesus crouched down so that he could look at her in the eyes, and she could look at him. And he looked at her and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. He laid his hands upon her, and immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. I retell the story in this way, not because I know for a fact all of the details that I've tried to fill in with my imagination, but instead to help us remember the reality of what happened that long ago Sabbath day. The Lord and Savior of the world looked out at the congregation one morning, and his eyes rested upon one faithful woman. He saw her, a woman who believed in God's promises and gave thanks to God for his faithfulness and all the blessings of her life, even though she was so cast down in body that she couldn't even stand up to give him thanks and praise. The only thing she could lift up was her heart, and that's what she did. Jesus looked at her, and I think he noticed all of this. And his heart was filled with compassion, and he said, This faithful woman, she needs to be set free. And so she was. She was given her life back and her place in the community. She had things to do, and now she could do them. I can just imagine her, if she were here, going over to Linda Odgers and saying, Okay, Linda, you can put me back on the altar server and usher rotation now. I'll sing in the choir again. Ten years off is long enough. 
She had family and friends she wanted to be with, be there for, and now she could. Of course, if you think about it, one day she died, like everyone does. And we don't know how much longer she had, maybe 10, 20, 30 more years. In a way, you might say, in her final years, she was right back to where she had been before Jesus had healed her, probably suffering from new ailments now, from the weakness of body that comes to us all. But nevertheless, like then, with a heart that was lifted up to give thanks to God, a faithful believer in God's promise of salvation and resurrection. But now, well, it was different, see, because now she knew. What 10, 20, or 30 years earlier she took on faith, she now knew was as real as the day that Jesus laid hands on her and stood her up straight for the first time in 18 years. In her last days, I imagine that she thought often of the moment when power and healing coursed through her bones and sinew, straightening out twisted-up old joints and making strong and new muscles that had been knotted up with pain for years on end. It had happened once, she knew. It would happen again, whether on this side of the grave or the other. It was real. It didn't matter how long she had to wait. She had waited 18 years before. One day she knew that Jesus would take her by the hand again and lift her up and set her free from the power of death that she knew had no power over Jesus at all. I suppose that the woman couldn't help but wonder sometimes, why her? Out of all the people that Jesus could have healed, why had he chosen her? She probably knew other people in the synagogue that could have been healed, but weren't. She hadn't even asked for it. She just showed up that day. He saw her in the congregation and called her up. But what about all the people that he didn't heal? What about the people who asked for healing in prayer, but didn't receive it? Jesus didn't answer any of those questions on the day he healed her. When people asked her what she thought about it, I imagine that she didn't have any answers either. But what she could do is go to the bedside of someone in the congregation who was crippled up like she used to be, or to the kitchen table of a family who'd lost a beloved sister or brother. She could tell them what she knew. She knew what it felt like to have Jesus lay his hands on you and pray. The power and healing that on that day reached into every bone of her tired, crippled body and made her new just like she had been born again. That's real, she could tell them. I know that it is. I don't know why Jesus healed me out of all the people he could have healed, but I know that what he gave me he intends to give you too. Someday. In his time.
Maybe he, sh maybe he healed me, she might have said. Just so that we here can know that his healing is real. That we can believe in it. Just as sure as all of God's promises. I think sometimes, I don't know about you, but I think that we sometimes come across healing stories in the Gospels and we don't really know what to do with them. They're too out of our everyday experience. Not the kind of thing that we Episcopalians do. A healing story isn't just about a promise that applies to eternal life. And it isn't a moral teaching that we can go and apply to our lives this week. No. It's actually about something like Jesus laying his hands on a bent-over woman and standing her up straight. And what do we do if we're numbered among those whom Jesus didn't pick out of the congregation and heal? The theologian and priest Sam Wells reminds us that to say that Jesus saves, like we do, to say that our salvation is in Jesus is to say that healing is included as part of the package, now or later. Salvation, he says, is about past and future. Salvation is the transformation of our past from a burden to a gift, from a place of grief and regret to a heritage of wisdom and joy. And salvation is the transformation of our future from curse to blessing, from a place of fear and death to a destiny of hope and glory. When we talk about the salvation of the past, we call it the forgiveness of sins. When we talk about the salvation of the future, we call it eternal life. Well, if that's salvation, the forgiveness of past sins, and the promise of eternal life that lies ahead in the future, then healing is what has to happen between here and there, between now and then. If you, for instance, made a mess of things with your spouse, said all kinds of things that you shouldn't have or done things you wish you could take back, well, the first step on the road to reconciliation, of course, is to genuinely apologize and to ask forgiveness for what you've done. If he or she says, yes, I forgive you, well, then you have the second step that sets you further on the path toward reconciliation. But the third step is healing. Your relationship still needs to heal. There are still emotional wounds that haven't healed up yet. If eternal life together is where we're headed, not just an eternity of bickering and conflict and division, but real shalom, God's peace together as sons and daughters in God's kingdom, then in between then and now, we all need to heal. We need to mend that which is broken, come to love and trust, and be at peace with one another and with God. And that will usually not happen overnight. We need forgiveness of sins first. 
But if we are to get to the eternal reconciled life we're headed to, we need healing too. We need this healing, both body and soul. The bent over woman was so crippled by her ailment that she probably found it hard to take part in the life of her family, her synagogue, her community. Just think, as I was imagining the details, of how the bent over woman must have had to shuffle painfully and slowly to synagogue each Sabbath day, how she couldn't even stand up to worship God, how she probably couldn't even look people in the eye. My grandfather up in North Dakota turns 90 this November, and he's still pretty active. But I can remember him telling me once, you know, Jordan, my mind thinks I'm 40, but my body doesn't agree anymore. The bent-over woman, through no fault of her own, had a hard time taking part in the worship and the life of the community, even though she was determined to do it as long as she had the strength. We need healing, both body and soul. And if you think about it, isn't that what we see Jesus going around and doing all the time in the Gospels? He forgives people of their sins all the time. And then he heals them of their diseases. He goes around and does this. He gives us the promise of eternal life. But it's not just a promise. He also shows us the pathway of healing that will get us there. The ministry of peacemaking, reconciliation, the way of the cross. In one way or another, I imagine that you and I are all in need of some kind of healing today. When Jesus looks out at our congregation, he sees exactly the kinds of healing that each of us need most. For some of us, it's the healing of a relationship. For some of us, it's the healing of our hearts, of some grudge that we're bearing or some injury that was done to us. For some of us, it's our bodies. For others of us, it's the bodies of someone that we love very much. For many of us, it's all of those things at the same time. If we ask the woman, who had been the bent over woman, but now is the woman who stands up straight and tall and worships God, if we asked her why Jesus healed her but hasn't yet healed me or the one who I love, what would she tell us? I don't know why you're not healed yet. The person whom you hold in your heart isn't healed yet, she might say. I don't know why I was healed. But I do know that healing is real. I know that you should pray for it. It happened to me and I didn't even ask. Whether now, or 18 years from now, or in the life to come, healing will come to your life too. The straight and tall woman says, I know it. I have felt it in my bones. There was a day when I, too, had to take it on faith, that's just like you do now. The day will come when you will know it, just like I do.
the very same Jesus, who laid his hands upon her and brought healing to her life, will lay his hands on you too. And may those of us who this day walk by faith walk one day very soon by sight. May he grant us faith until the day when he lifts us up too. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we ask in faith that you would lay your hands upon this congregation, those here in body and those who can only be here today in spirit, that you would grant us healing and salvation and faith in the promises you have given to us while we wait for the day that our prayers will be answered. Lift us up, we pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.